Good morning, church. These kids did a great job for us today, and thank you for joining with them and singing. That's just a beautiful, beautiful presentation. Appreciate all the work that's going on there, and and um, we're just uh, delighted that they can share with us their talents as well and show them that they have talents that they can use for the Lord as well. I think it's great. Some of you are visiting today. My name is Harley Davidson. I'm the preaching minister here. Been here almost 25 years. It'll be 25 in June, and um, we are um, just excited uh, still about being the, the minister of Western Hills, and uh, it's always a joy to tell people. Um, I'm sure some ministers don't really, uh, uh, you know, when maybe when they, where do you where do you preach at or where do you minister at, uh, they may kind of hesitate to say, but I, I never hesitate to say I'm honored to be the minister at Western Hills. And some of the finest people in Lawton in the surrounding area, some of you could drive great distance uh, to get here, and I'm so thankful that uh, I can be a, a part of that, a part of your life as well. But thank you again for allowing me to do that. I often wonder um, that what our world is doing, and I'm sure that you perhaps think of that from time to time, what is our world really doing? I mean, if I could stand on the clouds of the heavens, if you will, and I didn't know anything about this planet Earth, but I could see all the things that were happening as you would look at maybe an ant farm under glass or perhaps an aquarium full of different types of fish. But if I could look down and I could see that and I could see all the people and all the things that they were doing, I would probably ask myself, what are they doing? And why are they doing that? Have you ever thought that way before? Well, this is, I'm kind of strange, so I think like that. I mean, where are all those people headed, I would say to myself? Where are they headed to? What is it that they're chasing? Because it sure looks like a lot of chasing is going on down there. And if they were to find what they are chasing, I wonder what in the world they're going to do with it. And I think like that. Well, Focus on the Family article by James Dobson, of course, tells about a guy by the name of Ron Blue. Ron Blue was this, um, uh, he was this financial counselor, but he went on this, this trip to the remote part of Africa, the village there in Africa, on a mission trip. And while he was there, it's a long article, and I'm just going to give it, share a little bit. He said, um, uh, he asked one of the residents there, what was the biggest problem facing their village? Without hesitation, the man simply came back and said, materialism. Materialism. And he thought to himself, you know, I would have thought of anything but materialism. I mean, anything. I would have thought maybe it was the, you know, the conditions they're living in or maybe, you know, neighboring villages and the riots that they might have. Or I thought maybe it might be other things, the food and medical attention that they might need. But he said materialism. As he goes down through this article, the villager finally explained it to Ron. He said it's like this. He said if a man has a mud hut, he wants one made out of cow manure. And he said, if he has a cow manure hut, he wants a stone hut. If he has a straw roof, he wants a tin roof. If he has one acre, he wants two. And the article ends by basically saying this. It says, it is a disease of the heart. It is not and does not have nothing, anything to do with when where one might live. Wow. How are you doing with all that? 
When is the last time that you took an evaluation of your life? When you really stood back and you looked at your life, not financially as, as you would a portfolio and simply say, well, we're not quite there yet, sweet, so we're not retiring this year either. But when you really looked at your life, your heart, not someone else, not your children, not your neighbors, not your spouse, but you, and you honestly evaluated yourself and asked yourself, what am I really chasing in life? I wonder that sometimes. I look back in my life and at 60 now, and, and I look back and I think of these different decades, I guess, of the different times, and I can see exactly what I was chasing. The things that in life that I was chasing, what are you chasing in life? What are you really hungry for? Have you asked yourself that question lately? Or you're just caught in the same old routine. It's go to church because it's Sunday. It's get up and go to work, school, class, whatever it is, because it's Monday. And this is what I do on Thursday, and this is what I do on Saturdays. Have you honestly taken a look at your life and asked yourself, what am I hungry for? And have you asked yourself, if you say, I'm hungry for this one thing, if I were to get that, would it really bring me satisfaction? Would it really bring me to a point in life of contentment? Because most of us at my age, what we're looking for is a thing called retirement. And in our retirement, what we think oftentimes is when I retire, I get to rest, relax. We're not going to go there, but nonetheless, what am I hungry for? What am I really hungry for? I have no idea why I'm carrying this pen around today. I just picked it up, I guess. Anyway, you're going to get a pen lesson today. In Proverbs chapter, in Proverbs chapter 16, the scripture says, appetite is an incentive to work. And it is, isn't it? And it goes on to say, hunger makes you work all the harder. And it does. It causes us. If that is true, and I believe that it is, then what you are hungry for is what you will pursue in life. And for those of us my age, and you, you can understand that because you can look back and see exactly, or looking at your life now, you can look exactly and see what you have pursued throughout your life. But I would suggest to you this morning, for most, I should say, the spiritual urge within us is not the urge and our first urge. I wish it were. The spiritual drive within us is usually not our first drive. We want it to be. We long for it to be. And we may even tell others that it is. But is it is the question. Is our hunger for God or is it for self? I can only speak for myself in regards to this. I can see other people growing or I can see other people declining in their spirituality, perhaps, but I know for sure about me. And when I do my little self-evaluations and I try to do them often as well, I often find myself discovering that I, I'm doing more about me and less about God. In other words, I'm taking more selfies. And I find it's about me. 
And when I do that, I often wonder, why in the world do I do that? Because I can look back and see the times that I didn't, and I saw the success, or I saw the blessing, and yet I fail again. Anybody but me. How are you doing with that? Honestly, how are you doing with that? Meister Eckert says this, and when I read this article, I thought to myself, wow, this is, this is, I think he's nailed it. And, and I wonder, I don't know about you, I love to write. I'm not very good at it, but I love to write. And, and in that, you ever, when you're writing something, you reread it, and when you reread it, you take a sentence out. You might check the grammar and stuff. I let other people do that. But I'm talking about what you're trying to actually say. Does it make sense to yourself first so that it might make sense to someone else? If it connects with me, it might connect with someone else. I'm not sure, but I surely know at the end of that article that I write, it's connected with me. And when I read this article, it connected. His name is Meister, I think it is Meister Eckhart. He said, some people want to love God in the same way that they love a cow for what it can give them. Cheese and milk and a good steak. What it can do for us. He says that we are looking for something along with God. And behaving exactly as if we were making of God a candle to look for something else. He said, when we find the things that we are looking for, we often throw the candle away. Whatever we seek along, he writes, whatever we seek along with God is nothing in comparison or should be. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be an advantage, a reward. It can be uh, spirituality itself, he says, or whatever else we are seeking actually a nothing. And for this reason, we find nothingness. We find emptiness. We find the nothingness at the end of all of that. So over the course, long introduction, so over the course of the last 12, 14 weeks or so, we have been talking about our spiritual growth together as a family, which is important. It's important if it drives you to God and not to more things. This is valuable because I notice looking at back at all these things, I give you these um, challenges, and I'm going to give you one today. And if you see the challenges as only though they are something that you have to do, you're seeing the wrong thing. Because you, you see, your spirituality growth or spiritual growth is not about you doing more things and feeling better about yourself. It is a desire to place God in the proper place of your life. Which grows you. For if it just is more things to do, is it not exactly what Eckhart was talking about and you find nothingness except for the things that you've done? Good for me. And the truth is, here's the thing I should say. God sees the potential within all of us. Young and old alike, God sees the potential of what we can become, what he's created us to be. And yet most of us miss the mark. 
We try at some point to try to fall in line or fall in the category in which it is, and oftentimes we find ourselves swaying out of that. But God sees the potential of what it is that he's created you to be. And in your spiritual growth, it allows you to come to reckon with what it is that he's called you to be in life. The truth is, we all know that we are to grow. The question still comes back to, do I really want to? Most of us don't want to grow in many things of our life. We get settled, we learn, we do it. This is what I do, and that's what I do. I've got enough to do, we say. So we really have to have a desire within us. God has no trouble seeing the real you. I have a message just entitled that. I looked at it, I read it this past week when I was going over this, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to dust that one off and preach it again because God has no trouble seeing the real you, and he has no trouble seeing what you are actually hungry for. So what are you hungry for? See, you can tell me one thing, but God already knows what you're hungry for. Somebody's saying, I'm hungry for a hamburger. If you'll be quiet, we'll go get one. Here's the thing on that. If you're hungry for a sale in your business, you'll chase it. If you're hungry for a new look, you'll create it. If you're hungry for education, you'll get it. If you're hungry for a relationship, you'll seek it. If you're hungry for a pay raise, you will walk a picket line to get it. Why? Because that is who we are and that is what we do. Me included. This message is for all of us, of course, but it's also for the seniors that are about to graduate. In a couple of weeks, they'll walk across the stage and they'll get the diploma, hopefully. And in that process, we know it's for them. But those of us that are a little bit older than they are, we can look at them and we know that they have to have a hunger within them. They have to have a hunger within them. If they want an education, they got to have a hunger to go get it. Whatever it happens to be, doctor's degree, whatever it happens, they're going to have to have a hunger to do that. They're, they're going to have to have a hunger to find the right person, a hunger, if you will, to be able to, to succeed in whatever it is in their life. They're going to have to have a hunger for that because all of us in this room that have already done that, been there, done that type of thing, we all know that that's exactly what drove us. And we can all look back and find in our lives places where we didn't and weren't hungry enough. And you can look at it just as a chart and you can find, yep, lost my appetite, lost my appetite. And that's why most students change their major four or five times before they actually get one. They lose their appetite. So it doesn't drive them through. But we know that they have to continually have that right appetite, but it all goes for us as well. For them to succeed in life, they have to stay hungry. For us to succeed in life, we also have to stay hungry. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to stay hungry for the right thing. So how's your appetite? The problem with most people is this. I'll put this down because I don't like doing it. The problem with most people I know, for me it is, it's not that we don't eat. It's that we don't eat properly. 
It's called junk food for a reason. Anybody like junk food? <laughs> Anybody like the results of junk food? No takers. But yet that's where we're at oftentimes, isn't it? So we chase the things of life. And when we chase the things of life, I, I, I like, I, I was thinking the, on Friday, I think it was. But anyway, I was thinking about the things that we chase. It's kind of like mixing God with all the stuff. It's kind of like mixing God with all the stuff, kind of like meatloaf. It's in there. Mixing God with all the stuff puts God in the wrong place. But we're very good at trying to cover him up as though he needs cover. Right? Do any of you have one of these things at home called a junk drawer? Anybody but, but, but us? Anybody have one? You're laughing. Ah, good. Some of you are honest. I love that. I have two of them. Ours are so good, we have two. And when you have a junk drawer, what do you do? It, you put junk in there, but there's stuff in there. That stuff, don't throw it away. Got to have that stuff. And you can find anything you want to in that junk drawer. From batteries that have white corroded stuff on the end. Might use that someday. Paper clips, toenail clippings. You might find anything in there. Is that true or not? And when you need something, what do you do? What do you do? You go to the junk drawer. That's what we do at our house. Donna may not want to tell you we have a junk drawer. We do have a junk drawer. That's better than a junk countertop. Some of you have that, but nonetheless. When you need something, you go to that drawer and you start pulling stuff out. You start pulling stuff and you're searching and I'm doing this. And Donna can tell every time that I go in through the junk drawer because I leave it on the countertop. But in that, you junk, you search through that. And you say to yourself these words, even if Donna's not home, I say these words every time I go to the junk drawer. I know it's in here. I just saw it the other day. Where is that battery I was saving? I can't find a D battery anywhere. Where's it at? And so you search, you search, you search. Anybody there with me? If not, you'll be there someday. If not, thank God. But in that process, you go through, you search through all these things. And after a few minutes, or a few a long time, after a few minutes, you say what? Ha-ha, I found it! I knew it was in there. That's what we say, don't we? Well, that's what I say anyway. Well, I think that's what happens when we mix God with all our stuff. You see, what we do with God and all our stuff, we mix Him in with it. And when we need Him, we go to the drawer and we move all the stuff. We open and we look and we look and we look and we... Here he is. I found him. Again. And then when we use what we need of it is that we are thinking of at the time. Could be a prayer of a sickness. Could be, you know, prayer for a job. Could be a prayer that we're praying about something in our lives or for someone that we care about or whatever it happens to be. When we find it, you see, what we do, we often... Put him back in the drawer with all the stuff. Because I don't need him right this minute in my life. But listen to what Matthew 5 says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Someone said a man will never hunger and thirst after righteousness until he has ceased to hunger and thirst after, I would say, stuff. But what we so often do is this. We hunger after things and then we say we desire righteousness. You see, God has placed within us, each of us, a potential. And again, once again, he knows what that potential is an opportunity for us to succeed in whatever it is. So we chase. So we chase and we find it. We find it often in the secular world. Yet when we find it, it will take the craving for perhaps a day or two, a week or two or a year or two. But when we find it, we still crave more. Kind of like the people in Africa we read about earlier. You see, I think we mainly do it backwards. And I'm at the top of the list. And that is we chase things and then God and find out we haven't found nothing. But if we would chase God, all the other stuff will fall into the proper place. That's God's promise. That's not a preacher preaching. Where's that found? Well, it's found right there in Scripture. Jesus himself says it, Matthew chapter 6. But seek ye first the kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. I I thought about that and I said, what things as well? So if I seek him first, what things as well? I want to back up. I want to, hey, what, what is this all things as well? Because that's his promise to me. And so if you read verses 25 through 34, it's there on the screen for you, you know what you get? All things as well? You get peace. You get food. You get clothing. You get shelter. And most importantly, you get a right relationship with God. That's what you get when you seek him first. And you don't mix him with all the stuff. And what we want is that the interesting point there is what we want is we want peace. We want shelter. We want clothes. We want the things. That's what we want. So that's what we chase. And God says, you have it backwards. Chase me and all this will come to pass. Why? Now, here's an easy question for you. It's on the test. Who's right? You or God? There you go. If you're hungry enough for God, I don't think you'll leave until he gives you what you came for. Because what you come for is different than what you want. Did you catch that? When you come to God and you're hungry, he will give you what you came for, not what you want. And if you discover God in your growth, you will realize when you leave his presence saying in that prayer, you will realize what he gave you was exactly what you needed, not necessarily what you wanted. And there's a big difference. So when you go to God, don't go with what your want is, go with what your need is and tell God, I'm not sure what my need is, but I'm sure you do. And God will take care of the rest. Tell me God isn't good. All the time, God is good. Amen.
That's not even in here, and that was free. I put it like this, and when you get the God portion that you need, you will find that you have, he has already taken care of all the stuff. The great thing about the banquet of God is this. It's non-fattening, and it's available to all, all the time. You need to remember that. Again, in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a promise. The promise in that verse is there's a filling available. You see? When you chase things of this world, you can't get filled up. You'll only crave more. God says, when you chase me, I will give you a filling. Do you see that? So his promise is, I will fill you up at my banquet table. But there's a prerequisite there, which is what? We are required to come to God hungry. How hungry are you? Really? If you do not have a craving, you will not chase it. You won't. The other guy will make the sale. You won't. The other guy will achieve. You won't. The other person will grow spiritually. You won't without a craving. Now, keep in mind, investing in yourself must be important. You have to get this. This is, this is, this is valuable. For you to want to grow spiritually, this is valuable. You have to understand that there's a great investment in you. Come to grips with there's a great investment in you. Repeat after me. God has invested in me greatly. Do you believe that? How do we know that? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the church says, But for God so loved me. God loved me. How much has He invested in me? His Son. What is worth more than His Son? Nothing. So what does that make your value? Priceless. See it? He's invested in you a great amount. Investing in yourself must then be important. Just knowing that fact should cause you to have a craving within you. You value me that much, God? Yes, I do. Oh, God, I want to get close to you. I want all the things you have for me. We know this, and I'm not sure. It sounds like a wooden uh, quote or something, but... It's been said that the biggest enemy of great is good. You've heard that. And we try to challenge our teenagers, our students. Now, I took a look at that. The biggest enemy of great is good. When you move the great to good, you move the good to something less than good. Do you know that? When you move the great to good, you move the good to something less than good. And when you move the less, something less than good into place, there's no good left. And that's what's wrong with our world. 
we've moved from great to good, which is less than good. And less than good is something less and less and less. And we've settled for it, even in our spiritual walk. Don't accept good enough as good enough, we tell our students. Someone's going to say that to a crowd of students that have worked for four years to get to the diploma at a college. Don't let good enough be good enough. No. And yet we know that many will go out, it's good enough. What about our spiritual eyes? Becoming hungry for the things in life that God has for you is a must. In my opinion, for one to grow, one must stay hungry. Listen, I believe this with all my heart, that God is in the eternal life business. God is in the restoring business, God is in the healing business, and God is in the blessing His children business. And if we, His children, will get right the right appetite in our lives, we will see the restoring, the healing, and the blessings that God has in store for us. They're available. Orientation in college, and you go in there and they tell you what it's going to be like and what it's going to be, or the class course, but they're telling them, they're trying to build this great dream within them. You're going to become these doctors, these nurses. You're going to become these, I was going to say lawyers, but they were going to become these, and they build this dream within, just kidding, but this, this dream within them because they want them to crave it. Because what they're about to approach into is something that's going to have to drive them deep to accomplish it. And many fade for multiple reasons. But if they can keep that dream alive, if they can keep that before them, don't get that dream quenched by something else at the end of the four years or eight years or however long it takes. Because they have the right hunger in place. If you allow God, He will overflow in your life. Is He overflowing in your life? He will overflow in your life, which keeps you clean on the inside, free from sin, and clean on the outside, which makes you an attractive witness in His kingdom. Because that's what we are to be. This, is my, this my friend, is why we want to grow spiritually. To stay clean on the inside, free from sin, but clean on the outside so that we might shine for our Jesus. I thought, and I, I'm not retiring today, so just know that, but I thought, what would I say to the church if I were to about to retire? Paul, when he wrote the church of Philippi, and I'll be finished, he said, I have a prayer for you, folks. And he prays this prayer, and it would be my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you, that your love will grow more and more. Growth. That you will have knowledge and understanding with your love. Growth. That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. Growth. 
that you will be pure and without wrong for the coming of Christ. Growth. And I highlighted this for me, that you will be filled with the good things produced in your life by Christ to bring glory and praise to God. And I thanked Paul for writing those words because that's what spiritual growth does for us. It produces good things in our lives and it brings glory to our God. So what's the challenge? Each week I give you these challenges. And so you have a bunch of them. Remember, it's not about doing them so you can say, Woohoo, I did them. It's about you doing them so that it draws you closer to God. The desire to have an appetite. You shouldn't look down the list and say, Oh, I got to do this today. It's the end of the day. I got to do this list. No, I desire to do it. It's like why you come to church. I got to go to church. That's what mom and dad may have made you do when you were little. But now you're here because you choose to be here. And I thank you for that. Because you have a desire for that. Here's your challenge. Well, now we normally eat three meals a day. For a few of us, it's a few more. And for a bunch of us, it's a whole lot more than three. But I would think that as Christians, we pray before we eat, right? If you don't, that'd be a really good place to plug in a prayer, let me tell you. All right? So when you pray, this is a very simple one this week. So when you pray, before you eat, just simply add to your prayer this. God, thank you for this food and how it will quench my hunger. Please, Lord, help me to hunger for you more than I do this food. And may I never, ever forget, God, that your banquet table is always open. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we come before you, and we are these individuals that have been saved by and through your grace, through our faith in Jesus Christ. And yet we are these vessels that have been broken, beaten up, shattered, put back together, super glued, and everything else in between. We are many times the stuff in the drawer. Looks like it's not worth much. But Father, help all of us in this room to realize we are not junk. You do not have junk drawers. But Father, you long for us to open up our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us. And by doing so, Father, we then will shine for you. All of us, Father, need you so badly. We do not want to settle for good. We want to be the greatness that you are calling us to be. We want to be able to produce more of what it is that you would have for our lives and less of what we think that is. Just more of you. And I know I will fail this week. We will fail in some way this week. There's no doubt. But God, you never fail. And we thank you so much for covering us. But truly, Father, help us to crave you more than we do the food of the world. Help us to crave your goodness, your kindness, your compassion, your mercies, your graces. All that you are, Father, help us to crave you 
And by doing so, Father, when we're finished, we'll realize we have all the stuff we need. Thank you for the banquet table that you spread for us every morning. And forgive us when we walk by it, put up our nose and simply say, no thanks, I'm not hungry. Create in us a clean heart, O God. And by doing so, Father, we will be hungry. Our spiritual stomachs, souls will growl. That tells us we need another filling from the banquet table that God offers. Help us, Lord, to crave you more and the world less. Keep us hungry for your righteousness in all things. Always in Jesus' name, we believe and pray. Amen and amen. Today is a time that we offer a song. And in this song, we allow you to have your request known. Maybe a prayer that you have that you need, I should say. Maybe a praise that you have. Whatever that need is, this is a time for you to come. Elders will come, others will come and pray with you and for you. Don't judge you at all in any way. But maybe just maybe today, God's touched your heart. And you want to receive His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. It is simply putting your faith and trust totally in Him and believing that He went to a cross and died for your sins. But on the third day, He arose and He took away all of your sin. And if you'll put your faith, hope, and trust in Him and experience the new birth, God says, I'll place within you a thing called the Holy Spirit. Me, actually, the DNA of God placed with inside the believer that will help you and move you to grow spiritually in your life as well. Whatever your need is, right now, right now is the time you can come. As together we stand and sing.